You are listening to the People First podcast. People First is a self-advocacy group run by people with learning disabilities. And People First podcast is a platform to raise awareness about real issues that affect people with learning disabilities in our community and all around the world. We aim to inform and entertain our listeners by interviewing interesting guests and talking about the things that really matter to us. This is like having a stage to speak out and get our voices heard. If someone uses the wrong term to describe a person's disability, we feel that a reasonable response should be to give them the benefit of the doubt. Perhaps they don't know what the correct term to use is, or maybe they are using a term that is now out of date and considered offensive. The correct terms to describe a person's disability, gender, sexuality or ethnicity often change over time and sometimes people might not be aware that the terms they are accustomed to using have changed. We thought it would be a good idea to explain a little bit about the various disabilities that the members at People First have, what terms our members use to describe their disabilities and why they are currently the accepted terms. What is autism? Like a learning disability, autism is a lifelong condition. Autism sometimes referred to as a spectrum or autism spectrum disorder, ASD. Autism is not a learning disability, but around half of autistic people may also have a learning disability. These days, it is commonly agreed that people on the autism spectrum prefer to be described as being autistic rather than having autism. You might hear the word neurodiverse being used more often recently. Neurodiversity is a catch-all term to describe variety of conditions, including autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, and complex tic disorder. Although the term neurodiverse has been around since the 90s, the term not yet known by most people. Many people might be surprised to know this term prescribed their condition. The word disabled is a description and not a group of people. You should use disabled people, not the disabled, as a collective term. For example, wheelchair users may not use themselves as confined to a wheelchair. Try thinking of it as a mobility aid instead. Most disabled people are comfortable with the words used to describe daily living. For example... People who use wheelchairs go for walks and people with visual impairments may be very pleased or not to see you. An impairment may just mean that some things are done in a different way. Cerebral palsy is the name for a group of lifelong conditions that affect movement and coordination. It's caused by a problem with the brain that develops before, during or soon after birth. Cerebral palsy affects each person differently. 
it may limit your ability and independence, although many people go on to leave full independent lives. The original problems that cause cerebral palsy do not get worse over time, but the condition can put a lot of strain on the body and cause problems such as painful joints in later life. The daily challenges of living with cerebral palsy can be difficult to cope with, which can lead to problems such as depression in some people. A learning disability affects the way a person learns new things throughout their lifetime. A learning disability can affect the way a person understands information and how they communicate examples of learning disabilities include Down syndrome, williams Rett syndrome and Cortisone 18 disorder. Around 1.5 million people in the UK have a learning disability. A learning disability can be mild, moderate and severe. Some people with a mild learning disability can talk easily and look after themselves, but may need a bit longer to learn new skills. Some adults with a learning disability can live independently, while others need help with their everyday tasks, such as washing and dressing for their whole lives. It depends on the person's abilities and the level of care and support they receive. A learning difficulty is different from a learning disability. There are many differences types of learning difficulty. Some of the more well known are dyslexia, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, dyspraxia, dyscalculia. As with learning disability, learning difficulties can also exist on the scale. A person might have a mild learning difficulty or severe learning difficulty. Hi, my name's Luke and welcome to the People First podcast. Today I'm going to talk to you about my condition of blindness. I was born with no sight at all and have to wear false eyes. These are like moulds that are made into an eye shape that fits in the socket. I also use a long cane and require sighted guide in areas that are unfamiliar to me. I use a mobile phone and laptop which have screen reader which enables me to operate them just like any person with normal sight would. I am currently using a Synaptic Silver 10 mobile phone. Synaptic is a screen reader that runs on mobile phones and tablets. It helps me use a mobile phone in the correct way. Now I'm going to talk to my colleague Tom about how I use Braille. Hi Luke. How are you doing? Fine, yeah. Uh, so am I, so am I. I use grade 1 and 2 Braille and I have tried the latest 
braille cord but find that quite difficult. When I were at school, which was, this is showing me age, about 20 years ago, I can remember the braille typers, typewriters, they had the high keys, one high key at each end, and I think they had something like, I think they had about five keys in the middle. They made a right racket when you typed on them. Oh, they do. They really do. I still use one. I've got one at home, which I use, and it makes such a racket. So, Tom, are you registered blind too? Yeah. What are your experiences? Have you ever been, for example, in any situation where you might have felt really uncomfortable and you might have felt very anxious? If it's a familiar place, then it's not like, fine, because I know where everything is, but if, for example, I'm just sort of like dumped somewhere and they say, oh, go to such and such a place, and I'm like, right, okay, where's that? Then I'm like, I don't know, especially if they don't have those sort of like, you know, on ramps they have the sort of like lumpy bits, or even if ramps they're not sort of like marked out, then it's just no good at all. Do you use a cane? Have you ever had a go at using a long white cane? I did try one time, but it wasn't over good, no. Basically, I'd have to try and walk one-handed, wheel one-handed, and use it at the same time. So, as I'm in a wheelchair, I'd have to sort of, like, swap between hands to use it. So I'd have to, as an example, wheel with my right hand while holding it in the left hand, then Mm. switch hands, and then just keep doing it that way. So, basically, it just wouldn't be practical. I can imagine it. It's very fiddly using a cane and a wheelchair. Yeah, especially if it's on a hill as well. I can imagine it. I really can. But, Tom, I've got a question. I understand you remember a school in Bradford where I originally went to when I was a child called Temple Bank. Yeah, I went to the same school when I was about 9 till 16. How did you find it there? Yeah, I thought it was a brilliant school because before I were at a mainstream school and basically I just found it loads better. It is a, a special needs school, a school for all special needs, wasn't it? One of the main things about it being for people with visual impairments and that, it was all accessible, so there were like no steps or anything. And even if there was any slopes or anything, they were marked out first. The only steps I remember were the ones leading down from the terrace to the bottom field. I do. I remember the summer trips. I remember going to places like Newby Hall. Well, I can remember doing outdoor education, you know, like the canoeing and that that we did. Yeah, it was brilliant because, um, for example, if one of us had really bad eyesight or were blind, we were either put in a canoe with a member of staff or someone who had good eyesight or sometimes we were in two canoes tied together. Later on, when Temple Bank shut, when I was at 
of my own. I went with the Outlook Trust, which was a charity for the for people like me. And one of the guys used to work at Temple Bank. Happy times. In the UK, there are almost two million people living with sight loss. Of these, around 360,000 are registered as blind or partially sighted. People are often unsure about how to refer to people with disabilities in fear of offending and hurting their feelings. The terms for some disabilities can be rather complicated, particularly when it comes to a visual disabilities. Terms like blind and visually impaired are two of the terms people can use to describe or refer to people in this category. However, they each have a different meaning. They are not interchangeable and they should be used only in certain situations. Blindness is defined as a state of not being able to see. This lack of vision comes from a genetic condition, injury or a disease. This loss of sight can't be corrected in any way, neither by surgical operations nor by glasses or contact glasses. Visual impairment is an umbrella term that refers to all kinds of visual loss regardless whether they can see or can't. In other words, the visual impairment term can be used to describe both people who experienced a decrease in the ability to see to a certain degree and those that can't see at all. Visually impaired is not a term used to describe people who correct their vision with glasses or contact lenses. You should use the term blind only when the person has a complete loss of sight and use the term legally blind when the person has almost complete vision loss. As someone who can't see at all, the term that I use is blind. But if you're ever in doubt, you can always ask the person how they prefer to have their disability described. Hi everyone, I'm Matthew. Welcome to the People First podcast. Today I'm going to talk to you about uh, health conditions. I'm going to talk to you about renal kidney transplantation. I'm a kidney transplant patient. I was born with renal failure. This meant that my life was very different to lots of other people. This meant that I've had a lot of ups and downs and a lot of determination on my part and also on my family's and the doctor's parts in trying to help me to survive. I'm very lucky to be here as I was written off before I was born but I'm still standing <laughs> and I have had my kidney transplant luckily without any major interruptions as in what's called rejection. I was really young but I will say that I was one of the success stories at St James's Hospital in Leeds. 
as they hadn't really treated a baby that was born with this condition. Being at that time the advancement of medicine and of transplantation in patients as young as I was, was unheard of really. So it was trial and error pretty much and crossing the fingers and hoping that it would be a fairy tale ending. I have got an unfortunate tale in that they did put the kidney in the wrong way around, which is staggering to believe, but there you go. So they they had to put me under surgery to then remove it to put it the right way around like they should have done before. I've overcome adversity and triumphed by a lot of my own self-determination and my family's determination in believing in me. I'm still a human being. I don't present like everybody else and I believe myself that I am pretty much just like everyone else. I'm just, I was born different and that's, is not visible to everybody, it's inside of me. Instead of judging, ask questions. Ask questions like, how did you feel when you received the kidney transplant? What did it mean for you, for everyone in my life? And not to, not to be judged. I think that's an important thing because no one likes to be judged. No one likes the mictake now of being called certain words, you know, certain phrases. We've all heard them before. Nobody wants to be referred to as stupid or you're not capable or your your life's pointless. Ask questions that actually mean something. Don't judge me on my condition. You accept yourself for who you are and you can't help the way you were born. The condition doesn't mean that you can't do things. It just means that you have to tackle things differently from a different angle. It gives you a purpose. It gives you life. It gives you hope. You don't know how long you've got with this condition. It's not, there's no time span. My way of saying it is you have to live your life while you've got it and do the things you want to do while you've got the chance. Seize the day. I'd like to think myself as a bit of a superhero. <laughs> Having been knocked back a lot in my life and been trampled on. If you'd lived the life that I've had, you certainly wouldn't be criticising, you'd be championing that person because they've got, they've got scars. I've got a hell of a lot of scars. That's me. That's who I am. If you really are wanting to know about a condition, a health condition, just talk to the person. We are all different, we are, but we are all people. So just to finish off on a note, my condition means that I have to take anti-rejection medication and this is for life. This is not something that I can dip in and out of. I'm keeping another life inside me. They're helping you to survive. The way I've looked after my kidney has been basically diet. Watch what you eat as there's certain things you can't eat because of it. But also not to drink to access. I do like an occasional tipple, but I just have to sort of go steady, really. As well as that, I don't smoke, and that I don't let my condition stop me from living the life that I want. I've been able to live my life through my condition, and meeting the people that I've met 
at my work, my family and my friends, and I've always been looked after, always been well thought of. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the People First podcast. Here are a few tips to consider when you are talking to people with disabilities. Number one. Use a normal tone of voice. Don't patronise or talk down to them. Number two. Don't be too precious or politically correct. Being super sensitive to the right and wrong language might stop you communicating and most people will be forgiving of honest mistakes. Number three. Never attempt to speak for or finish a sentence for the person you are talking to. Number four. Address disabled people in the same way as you talk to everyone else. And number five. Speak directly to a disabled person, even if they have an interpreter, companion or support worker with them. We hope that you have found this information useful. Please remember, if you want to know more about someone's disability, politely asking them if they are comfortable talking about it with you is often the best thing to do.